0: Welcome to the Root of It All podcast with Tree, where you will learn new habits for human betterment. We talk about all things related to personal growth and everything is on the table. Each episode, will explore different topics like self-care, mindfulness, goal setting, and more with a focus of practical tips and actionable advice you can start implementing in your life today. Our goal is to help you become the best version of yourself and live a more meaningful life. So grab a drink, cozy up, or take your dog for a walk, or even go for a drive. Join us for some fun and meaningful conversation. Let's grow together. Hey, everyone. So this is Tree again, the Root of It All podcast with Tree. And today I have a very, very special guest. And I wanted to release this in the beginning of January because it's very uh, foundationally um something that everybody looks for when we go into the new year. And this is Dr. Gary Leung, and he has been a massive mentor for me for well over a decade. I've learned so much off of him. So I want to share him with all of you. So thank you for joining us today.
1: Welcome. Glad to be here.
0: So one of the themes that uh, we were talking about just before we started to record is about business and outcomes. And it's very important starting a new year. If you're a business owner or even for your own personal outcomes, there's like a mindset based upon that, which I learned a lot from Gary. So, so I'll let you just go ahead.
1: <laughs> well, well, I guess to, to really put it simplistically is from a customer's perspective, and this is the kind of stuff that like I never learned in school. You know, I was in school for many, 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 many years. Nobody ever really said the word customer to me until I got out into the real world. And customers don't care about tasks, right? Customers don't care about how long it took you to do something. They just care about outcomes. And, um, you know, I I spent a lot of time working with, with young people, um, uh, and helping them shape, you know, the resumes, their careers. I spent a lot of time helping young entrepreneurs also talking about the same thing. And at the end of the day, all customers care about are outcomes. And so um, if, if you're, you know, running a resume, you should be very outcome-oriented. When you're uh, working with customers, thinking about your business, you should be extremely outcome-oriented. Um, work and effort, um, they're important, but your customers don't care about them. And I think in our business, um, I think we've tried really hard to be outcome focused and really shield our customer from, I guess the amount of paddling we do under the water, (laughs) Uh, you know, in some cases we paddle a lot harder than it seems and maybe in other cases and um, maybe because um, we've done a lot of good preparation work or we focus, we have very good focus, we paddle less than what our customers may think. So, at the end of the day, it's the things above the surface, the things that a customer wants, the, deli- the things that they can hold in their hands that we deliver to them. That's the only thing they really care about. And I think that's a very good mantra when you're thinking about either your business or your career.
0: Mhm. And there's a lot of good points that you brought up when it comes to being outcome oriented. So whether as and I'm just kind of repeating a little bit what you said but unpacking it a little bit. So just if you're writing a resume, you want it to be outcome oriented. If somebody's going to hire you, what is it that you can bring to the table for them, right? And so even as a as a customer, uh so people that don't know we have a well Gary and uh, I've been there like the furniture since we started but it's called Simple Website Service. So we have a turnkey service that really provides, um, it, well, it provides, it, it lets go, it, it allows business owners to let go of any excess mind traffic around their online footprint. So it's a very cost effective turnkey service. And we got there because we became outcome oriented when it comes to our customers. We understood what our customers needed, the frustrations that they had. And Gary's really good at keeping things going in the direction in which it needs to go because he is so hyper outcome oriented, which is awesome. So speak to a little bit. I, I, I,
1: I, I think you dragged me into this business kicking and screaming <laughs> about six or seven years ago. I mean, it, it was very clear that our business was changing,
0: mm-hmm. right? It was
1: very clear. It was evolving our customers didn't just want help with online presence. They actually wanted a website. At a time, I remember you saying to me multiple times, probably over the course of a couple of years, you know, this customer is asking us if we did it. We do a web- can do a website for them. I would, and I would say, no, we're not doing it. And then a few months later, you go, this other customer is just asking us to do that. No, we're not going to do it. And eventually it became really clear to, to me that... Um, if I wasn't going to um, respond to our customers' needs, they were going to leave. They were going to leave us. And so the challenge then became um, a bit more about strategy, uh, which has to do with this outcome theme we're talking about. Um, and the strategy was: is how are we going to win? How are we going to be different? How are we going to help our customers? Because I didn't. The reason i kept saying no was i didn't want to be another website developer there are many of there are many of them it's a dime a dozen, and it's a commodity business and so you and i started looking at our customers pain points right and their pain points were you know that one it was very expensive to do a website and two is they would have to get really involved so it wasn't just you know paying a bill it was well, all the time and effort and meetings and dealing with tech- technical terms of technology, you know, that um, most website developers will, will throw at them, like, you know, oh, well, we need to do a wireframe and we have to do a preliminary design and then a review and so on and so forth. And we thought about how to take that away, and then we thought about, okay, well, What's the other pain point of our customers? Well, it turned out a lot of the pain point of a lot of our customers was that they would spend a lot of money designing this beautiful website and they would have trouble supporting it. It would either be expensive or they just wouldn't necessarily be able to find the person who developed the website in the first place three years down the line. And so I think we, we, we started from that end. Yeah. that end outcome that we wanted for our customers, right, which was a cost-effective, turnkey, easy, almost zero-effort process of getting their website up and running fast and and then coupled that with um, just an ongoing support capability because we decided if we were going to do this business, we weren't going to have 10 customers. We were going to have over a 100 customers mm-hmm. and allowed us to have the team in place to always be there to support them. And I think it's this outcome focus that allowed us to then say, OK, strategically, this is who we are and this is who we're not. Right. We're not some fancy schmancy high um high end branding design. Uh, agency mm-hmm. that was going to do all it, anything you wanted your website to do, we would do for you. We weren't going to be that. And so that's really important. And it all started because we focused on the outcome that our customers wanted. So I hope that was clear.
0: So one of the things that I learned very much from you to just sort of piggyback on all the things that you're saying is that, even uh, when I first started working with this primacy that you would always say, what does winning look like? What does winning look like? And so that's also the outcome oriented for our clients. What does winning look like for our clients? And a lot of people listening to this that have met me or been in uh, the Burlington Admonitions center or even been to some trainings. I always talk about um, when I first started, working with you and one of the things that i began to do to become more outcome oriented was i was modeling your behavior so even a lot of catchphrases that you would use like the reality is or what's the outcome or what what are we going towards and over repetition and it's not something that happens overnight over like dare i say a decade of just following certain elements of your behavior that really I took value to and and what a lot of people are taking value from me now as I'm passing it along, right? Us as humans, we learn from each other. So it's even great that as all of our customers at the simple website service that they're also learning and they're having better experiences. Cause one of the big pain points is that they weren't having a good experience. They didn't have a good experience, whether they didn't understand the, the tech talk, when you know if they're dealing straight with the person that's actually going to build their website that we really did make it easy for them to understand to um you know sometimes it was overwhelming for them to think like oh my gosh i have to take off all this information right so when I'm modeling you, I become more outcome oriented. And I also remember when, you know, you're saying that I took you dragging and screaming (laughs) to go towards the websites. But also too, I would always come into your office and I'd be like, oh, what about this? What about that? And you're like, no we're sticking to this, this is this is what our outcome is. And cause sometimes I'm also known as a little bit of a distractor. Like I can go in this direction, which I'm a way better at now. And which again, just modeling your behavior, staying focused, staying uh, towards the outcome, staying towards what winning looks like for us as a company and the customer that we're serving. So how- well, yeah. Go, yeah, go, go ahead, I have a question
1: for you. Well, I mean, you're just putting me on this pedestal that I can't possibly live up to. But <laughs> but I'm glad you mentioned the, what winning looks like. And it can be misinterpreted because unlike sports and unlike gambling, us winning doesn't mean somebody else losing. And so when, yeah. whenever we go into a meeting, whenever we, we start a project, we would always say, well, what does winning look like to us? So that we can clearly articulate what winning is at the end, whether it's when we leave a meeting, leave a phone conversation, leave anything. But that doesn't imply what does us winning and the people we're meeting with losing. It doesn't imply that. It, it really implies how do we generate a win-win out of any situation on behalf of our business and on behalf of our clients. And I really found the focus of that Um, to be, um, really important, um, especially before and after we get out of a meeting. I remember being younger and going into a meeting and being all excited. And at the end of the meeting, we'd all leave and I'm walking out and say, wait a minute, like, did we all get what we wanted? What, like, what did we achieve here? What happened? Right? Whereas now, if we, before we go into any kind of a, a meeting or discussion um, and and we can articulate what we need to come out with, uh, whether it's, well, we have to have a strategy, you know, Tree before you and I meet, we have to come up with a strategy that exactly what we're doing and what we're not doing Mm -hmm. for customers. Um, That's been really, really helpful.
0: And so so you answered my question that I'm about to ask a little bit, (laughs) but, I really want to know how, like, how is it, was there a pivotal moment in your life that allowed you to think that way? Or was that like, you mentioned you were in that meeting and you came out of the meeting and you were like, well, you were, you're still unsure of what what maybe actions or tasks that you needed to do. So what, what, like, was it the way that you were brought up? Was it your schooling? Was it something that you were forced to do to keep yourself on track? Um, how did you learn this for yourself?
1: Well, it definitely was not my schooling. Um, I was 10 years in university. Um, and when I finished my first job was as a junior engineer. And after 10 years of university, as a young kid, I was wrongly indignant about the fact that I was being offered a position as a junior engineer. And yet it was the best thing that ever happened to me because as a junior something, I ended up having a lot of mentors and I was allowed to make mistakes. And so through the first 10 years of my career, there were people in the company that I worked with and then later I became a consultant and I worked with some fortune 100 companies like the Procter and Gamble's and the Unilever's of of the world. And these were very sophisticated, highly intelligent organizations, And even though they were my customers, I probably learned more from them than they did from me about the level of sophistication, about their outcome orientation, about when they had their game faces on and they were working, that they were thinking about things in a very sophisticated and strategic way. And I guess the first 10 years of my career were probably more formative formative, in a different way than the 10 years of university that I had. Um, because maybe through osmosis, <laughs> um, a lot of that resonated with me um, about the way that um, my superiors as well as my customers behave in these highly intelligent companies.
0: When we're training people, like for um, hypnosis, neurolinguistics, or even Um, clients of ours at the simple website service, that's a big thing. And even you and I working together, there's a big theme of there's no such thing as failure. There's only feedback and what it is. So you're saying like you had 10 years under being able to make as many mistakes as you wanted. And you learned so much by actually doing right. So even when people go to school and they're studying and they're learning, but when they actually get out there and start doing, that's when the real richness of all the learning start to really come to fruition as they're actually experiencing the things that they were learning for so many years. And it's so important that all of us as humans, if we're trying to um, try to get it right the very first time, it's almost impossible there's really no such thing or it's just by accident. Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. And, and I think the other advantage that I have is I started about 10 years ago working with young people um, because I wanted to, I wanted to give back a bit and I wanted to maybe be that person that I wish I had. But the fortunate part of it is in doing that, it's forced me to put names and labels to some of these concepts. So, you know, um, what winning looks like or being outcome oriented or, um, Things that I, you know, playing the, the financial movie in, in your mind if you're a young entrepreneur, and, and then playing the emotional movie in your mind when you're a young entrepreneur. Those are terms that I use in communicating them, and it's allowed me then to solidify, I guess, the models and the thinking in my mind about some of these concepts, which I think if I never had to teach it or articulate it, uh, it would be something that would be harder to hold in your hand. You know?
0: mm-hmm. Well, it's also amazing how much we learn when we're teaching, right? Because you're learning how people are taking in the information, and and even when you are outcome oriented, you can shift and change however it is that you're doing things when you're seeing other people take in the information, which is very.
1: I think it's pretty much. A, I think it's pretty much a truism in life that if you can't teach it, you don't really understand it.
0: Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. See, so, there's an, there's yeah. another one of Gary's <laughs> things.
1: Well, but it's true because there's so yeah. many times when somebody has taught me something and then i I'd, I'd go home and my wife would go, Oh, what'd you learn? And I'd be like, I thought I understood it <laughs> until, I tried to, until I tried explaining it to you. You know, So life is like that, right? So it, it takes, at least for me, I'm, I'm not so intelligent that you could tell me something like, you know, teach it. I, I mean, it needs to sit, in my brain for a while. I need to nurture it, regurgitate it, and maybe put some labels to it. And then maybe if I'm lucky,
0: mm-hmm. I
1: can articulate it to somebody else in a, in a coherent way. So.
0: Well, the one thing that you taught Jeff and I, so Jeff is my husband, well, you know that Gary, but for people that are listening, <laughs> um, but is about just having the balance in life. Like I remember it really, stayed with Jeff and I when we were having the conversation about travel and about having experiences. So so teach us a little bit more about that whole concept of living life and having experiences, about traveling. and you know all of us were really here only from cradle to grave, right? And as you're having that balance in life, I don't know if you remember that conversation, but it really stuck with Jeff and I.
1: Yeah, the, I think the theme is the same, right? It's about what winning looks like in your life. And so you have to think about it. Am I engineering my life for success or am I engineering my life for happiness? And in fact, I, I listened to the podcast recently and I really like this term and, 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 and the, and the guest, uh, said, you know, um, was that was asked you know are you happy he goes i'm not happy but I'm happier and he goes i i, I, I want to achieve happiness <laughs> and and it was the right point because he, he's saying sustained being sustained happy is is not realistic we as humans we go through emotions of sad happy you know all sorts of things but we we want to keep trying to achieve being happier. And so if you now go back to what winning looks like and you say, okay, I've got, uh, I've got my family, I've got my career, I, I, I'm making decent money. I've got a business. Okay. But, but what is going, what is it all towards? I mean, yes, it's part of it is towards fulfillment, right? Part of it is um, um, uh, knowing that you can get out of bed every day and you're needed somewhere. That is great. Part of it is being able to add value and, you know, I'm really big on understanding value creation and adding value, but then for yourself and your family, for the people you love, um, what, what is, what, what is happiness? And for me, and I think for a lot of people, it's about buying the only thing that matters, right? And it's, it's about taking your money and buying the only thing that matters. And it's buying memories. Mm-hmm. If you can buy memories with the people you love, at least for me, and I think for you and yeah. Jeff, yeah. um, that is what creates happierness. And and so if you can do that uh, and fit it in the context of your professional life, then to me, like that's winning.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not about having oodles of riches or, you know, oodles of titles. I mean, who cares, right? (laughs) You know, it's, but it's, it's about being able to build the memories with the people that you really care about, uh, as successively happier and happier times.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and it's so interesting, like in, um, the hypnosis center we talk a lot about people and their outcomes obviously but it's all about to them having the experiences that they need to have in order to get to those outcomes right so it's it's and the more experiences that people have going towards their outcome and then all of a sudden they're there as opposed to thinking about it a lot of people, um, I find, and I don't know if you find too, working with, uh, this younger generation that sometimes people can get caught up in their head or, or looking for what's right or what's wrong, or what should I do? Or they spend so much time researching as opposed to actually having those experiences, right? Like when you talk about happy earnest, which I love that word (laughs) and, um, we can spend our time as humans just over analyzing, or we can spend our time creating the memories that we need. so the memories, yeah. experiences. Uh, well,
1: I'm, yeah, I'm guilty as charged, right? I mean, I'm an engineer by training. so I mean, uh, I analyze things until they you know they probably shouldn't be analyzed. <laughs> um, and so so it's been learning for me as well that um, sometimes, yeah. Once you just stop analyzing, and I mean, the other truism in life, right? Which I didn't learn until a, a late, much later age, is, is, I mean, you really only regret the things you don't do, right? So I, I don't think there's a thing that I've done that I, I've regretted. But there are a few things I haven't done that I, I regret. You know, whether they've been missed opportunities or I haven't done them yet. I am certain things I'll, I'll, never, I'll never get to do. For example, like you know, I. But I, I, I think I might have told you this one time. Um, when I was young, Like I never worked in a kitchen. Nobody would hire me to work in a kitchen now. But when I was in my early 20s or teens, I wish I had worked in a kitchen for four months. And people ask me, well, why do I say that? Because I think I'd be a better business owner if I had worked in a kitchen. I can't prove it. I just think that. So in life... Um, if there's an opportunity that you feel like you should do if you can, if you can do it, you should just do it.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting that you say like a, a work in a kitchen, because I've always actually wanted to work like as a waitress or like a bartender, which I've never done Yeah, because it's like, like it's about interacting with people and you're in this sort of rhythm or mechanism, like any kind of, if you're in a kitchen, there's like a certain process or like you're in this sort of, Flow mood or energy like I look at some really good bartenders and they just like they're floating all along the bar as they're they're like mixing like six drinks at a time plus pouring like two glasses of wine and they're just there and it's such it's I don't know it's mesmerizing almost it's meditative just watching that happen and I could imagine that even being in that you get in you learn so much about yourself and physical movements uh the rhythm of it even the capabilities of learning how to well if you're in a kitchen you're chopping you're cooking so heat management um even how many dishes you would have to have going all at once to supply food for x amount of people like that's yeah it's, it's fascinating
1: experiences on the grass
0: mm-hmm. so so let me ask you this Besides a kitchen, if you were to pick any other career other than being like an engineer and the careers, what career would that be?
1: Oh, gosh. You know, I love, I mean, I love sports, right? So it would have been cool. It would have been cool if I could have been, um, had a profession where I use my brain to impact sports outcomes. You know, I mean, nowadays, I mean, sports are really deep into analytics. I mean, I, I don't kid myself. I mean, I, I, I do not. I, I'm not even close to having the physical abilities to ever be anywhere close to professional sports, except unless I buy a ticket. But, um, but if I had been able to um, leverage, I guess, some of my analytical skills and maybe my people skills uh, to be involved in professional sports, that would have been cool. So I think if I had to pick, that would be it. But no regrets with my career. I mean, I'm the kind of person that you know, if I'm at a party, somebody somebody says, "Hey, Gary, what do you do?" I have trouble answering, and and I wear that like a badge of honor because because I don't think there's a label for for um Uh-oh. for my job. Uh-huh. Like, so I, I don't think. I don't think half my friends know what what I do.
0: Yeah, actually, and myself included in that. Like if somebody asks me what I do, it's like just a people person. (laughs) I do a lot of things, yeah. 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 And it's interesting, though, like when you um, look at going back to like the sports analytics, right, because of all, because of everything like being online and different algorithms and programs and different things like that, it's almost like there's too much information about each and every individual, um, professional sports player, right? Like back in the day before, when it was just television, you know, you probably like look at hockey, you know, how many assists or how many goals or, um, how many penalties, whereas now it's like they they actually hook the players up to all of this machinery and you know like what's their agility like their heart rate or all the, like how many injuries have they had or what and and then they create the algorithm so yeah i couldn't even imagine or comprehend all of the information that the and, and even just what i'm saying is probably not even 10% of the information that they take in for one player and then you think about how many teams, how many players on each team, also the coaches and yeah, it's just I know way too much about hockey. Jeff like just it's, hypnotized my brain into knowing. But was, all of
1: that is a microcosm of of our lives in, in twenty twenty three going on twenty twenty four, right? I mean we'll never have to argue about facts ever again. Right? I mean which any fact
0: the fun out of things sometimes.
1: Yeah, any fact is, is, is I mean I joke about that with with my friends. So I mean to to win in 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 this world, in this information information age world, which we've been in for like twenty plus years, I mean, knowing more facts than your competitors is not a competitive advantage, mm-hmm. which is, again, why we have to focus so much more on uh, understanding what our strategy is, uh, which is very outcome-centric of, yeah. well, how are we going to position ourselves, whether it's our careers or um, our, our business, or maybe even our value proposition to the world, you know, my wife to, to our friends, what's, what's our value proposition. And, and it's not because I know more things (laughs) than someone else, right? It's not because we build a better website. It's not because we, we, we manufacture a better widget. It is more, um, starting at the root of where our customers are, what, what is their pain and how can we take that pain away so that, um, they are willing to hire our expertise, you know, on the business side, mm-hmm. or spend their most valuable asset, like their friend, our friends, which is their time,
0: mm-hmm. with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that is so. I love that. Your most valuable asset is your time. Yeah, so that's so. Yeah, that's yeah. a good. Yeah, I've heard you say that before, and that really resonated with me. Go ahead. Oh.
1: Oh my gosh. Like, as I get older, I mean, that's absolutely true. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, the most valuable asset isn't, isn't money. It's not stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not my phone. Right. Um, it's time because that's something that I'll never, you know, get, um, I'll, I'll never get more of. To give you an example. My dad calls me periodically. He's in his late 80s now, right? And he calls me, and often it's about a technology problem that he's got at home. And, you know, and almost every time he calls me, he starts with the, you know, sorry, I'm bothering you. And I'm at the age now where every time he calls me or every time I talk to him, I'm out with him, it's a gift. I know that. And, And because I know time is limited. So, I didn't, but I didn't think that way in my thirties. I was too busy with my own life to deal with my parents at the Mm -hmm. time. So it's, it's, it's all of those things where focusing on what winning looks like, you know, um, and, and maybe projecting yourself into the near future. You know, how I was alluding to what winning looks like when you come out of the meeting you're about to go into, Mm -hmm. well, what does winning look like? Uh, when I project in the future with my parents, with my kids, with my wife, with my friends, with my own life, that drives a lot of my behavior in terms of what am I going to do in the next minute? What am I going to do? You know, what trip am I planning with my wife, with my family, with my friends? Uh, what outings, what interaction? You know, the, the kids came over last night. We decorated our tree. Well, they're 25 and 27. But we still make a point of doing that. Why? Because that's really valuable. That's more valuable than spending a lot of money going up for dinner. So it's it's those things that help us help me to win in the way that I've defined winning. And it drives it it should drive our decisions in the near term if we can project in the maybe somewhat near future what winning looks like for us.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest, like, that's a massive takeaway. I think everybody should take is just what does winning look like for you? Even when it comes to time, how are you spending your time? Right. And so there's a lot of good points here (laughs) and I encourage everybody, maybe even listen to this twice and if, (laughs) and feel free I will share Gary and you can model Gary's behavior too. Like he's, oh, always, he's always been kind of like my, my compass or things. And I appreciate the graciousness in terms of, you know, the back and forth and um, rereading stuff. I'll send you something and then <laughs> you'll Gary it in, in a, in a good way. And so I really appreciate you coming here spending time with me and also uh being my first podcast for 2024 when you guys listen to this and yeah i'm sure you'll hear more from gary
1: thanks for having me it's, uh, it was my pleasure
0: well folks that's a wrap for today's episode of the root of it all with Tree. i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did But before we go, I just wanted to remind you that you can follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram, and we will be posting motivational quotes and behind-the-scenes content that you won't want to miss. You can always sign up to come live while we're filming this, or even join us online through Zoom. We always offer open question and answer after each episode that we don't record, so it's all private. But you can get more involved. So sign up for free at businessgrowthresults.com. And we're going to cover all kinds of different topics that you're not going to want to miss. And if you're looking for that one-on-one guidance or help, be sure to book a free screening. You can do that at burlingtonhypnosis.ca or call 905-634-4777. And finally, you can catch our podcast on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. So be sure to subscribe and never miss an episode. Thanks for listening.